All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's a Sunday edition of the Fan in the Van podcast time. Um, and what's good about being able to do it at home, well, minus the fact I like doing it at work too because I get to add music to the beginning. But I get to sit here, I get to sit here in the van and I get to enjoy a nice cigar. Um, and people, again, have always asked me where I get them from. Obviously, being from Long Island, I get them from none other than South Shore Cigar. So if you're into cigars, I definitely recommend you go to South Shore Cigar, see Chris and Evan, not only two of the most knowledgeable guys about cigars, but the most personable as well. So definitely check them out. Um, you know, definitely if you're into cigars. Today's I'm smoking the uh, the Shamrock Filthy Hooligan, which is St. Paddy's Day inspired by Alec Bradley, which every Alec Bradley cigar I've ever smoked uh, has been an absolute banger. Uh, it's been an excellent smoke. Um... You know, there are other cigars I do smoke from other locations, you know, because not every cigar lounge is going to carry every cigar that, you know, you know, that I like to smoke. Obviously, you know, Jose Reyes has his cigar out, so I have to go to this other place uh, called Oh Have a Smoke and grab that from there. Um, they're also going to have the Fergie Jenkins cigar, which is what I keep hearing is going to be a pretty decent smoke, as well as the John Daly that's coming out soon, so... Uh, I can't wait to try those, but let's get into the world of sports here. Obviously, we all seen what happened early this morning, and that is Brandon Cooks getting traded to the Cowgirls. Um, and what's funny about this is, you know, Amari Cooper's contract at the time when he was with Dallas was about $3 million less of a cap hit than what uh, Brandon Cooks is going to be with the Cowboys, and... Obviously, you know, Houston gets back a, a, a 2023, I believe it was a fifth round pick, and then they get a, a sixth round pick in 24. So, I mean, is this a win-win for both teams? It is more for Houston because you're getting more, you're getting more draft picks to rebuild this team to what you thought it could have been prior to, you know, trading DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, obviously J.J. Watt eventually leaving and before the whole Deshaun Watson saga, before he became a sexual predator and trying to lay his pipe in every masseuse there was across the great Midwest. Um, but when it comes to Dallas, though, the fact that they cut Zeke, and, you know, I, you know, and I discussed it in, in the, at least in the last episode anyway, you know, they interviewed Dak and he says he can't see himself going out on the field without Zeke Elliott. But here's the thing. Zeke ain't the same guy he was when he came into the league. And again, I've been saying it. Once they paid him, he was like, okay, I got my money. Now I don't have to play as hungry anymore. I, you know, I'm getting paid regardless. And this is another reason why the NFL does not give out fully guaranteed contracts. Because could you imagine if Dallas were to give him a fully, fully guaranteed deal and then he goes out and plays mediocre? It would be insane. And then you got people in the sports media saying, you know, it's unfair that, you know, there are guys who deserve a fully guaranteed deal, you know, and they look at the Lamar situation and then you look at what, you know, again, Watson's deal. And then you look at, you know, what Daniel Jones got and you look at what a lot of these other guys are getting. Now, all these other guys getting signed, they're not getting fully guaranteed deals. They're getting close to them, but they're not going to fully guarantee a contract. Honestly, Cleveland again, really thought they were going to screw the whole thing up and make it where every quarterback who is on a certain tier level is going to get a fully guaranteed deal. 
Watson's not on that tier level. I mean, could you imagine if guys like Joe Montana were playing now and and Starbuck and and Terry Bradshaw and, you know, the, the, the litany goes on of former great quarterbacks. Could you imagine if they were in this league now, what they would command? Joe Montana would command with what he did throughout his whole career. I can guarantee you would probably command around well over what Patrick Mahomes got. And even Patrick Mahomes' deal is not fully guaranteed. I mean, yeah, he's getting paid a boatload of money over the next few years, but there's a lot of what he can and cannot do incentives in that deal where I'm surprised in the offseason they don't have this guy sitting like a hyperbaric chamber till till training camp starts. It's literally insane. But then, you know, I'm also getting messages from Steeler fans that I'm buddy-buddy with. And the Steelers, this is probably the first year they've really been active in free agency as far as where they've made more than, say, two moves. I mean, yeah, we signed, uh, was it Nate Barrick, who used to play for the Jets, Herbig, whatever his name is. He played for the Jets and the Eagles. Uh, we signed Holcomb out of Washington. Uh, we waved my we waved uh, Miles Jack. We bring in this Elon Roberts from from Miami, which a lot of people really aren't happy about that one. Uh, they feel there's a lot of work with him, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. You know, then they go and they sign from the Eagles, and I'm sure brutally honest sports podcast probably a little upset about this one. Because from what I was reading early on this morning was that he was one of the highest graded guards in free agency. And it's Isaac Semolalu. I'm, I'm assuming that's how you say his last name. If it's Samoan, chances are I can't pronounce it other than Palomalu. Um, three years, $24 million. And the Steelers will always be known as a team that's never going to fully you know, go out and get the sexiest name unless they know that they could afford it. And, you know, obviously Jalen Ramsey getting traded to the Dolphins was one where, you know, again, people were questioning that's really all that that, that the Rams are going to get is like a third-round draft pick for this guy who claims to be a top-five cornerback. You then saw Dallas go out and get Stephon Gilmore in their secondary now with Trayvon Diggs. Does that improve? Trayvon's play a bit for everybody who thinks he's like this greatest, you know, secondary player that there's been. I don't know. I don't think Stephon Gilmore is the same Stephon Gilmore he was in New England. But again, you know, new city, new scenery, different situation. He may become that guy again. We don't know yet. But, you know, people have asked me what I thought of the NFL, you know, the free agency period, the tampering period, the whole offseason has just been... It's been one for the Bucks, you know, old faces, new places, um, you know, Juju going to New England, you know, and I discussed that at the end of, of the last episode I did when I was at home, and, you know, it, it's going to take some time. A lot of Steeler fans, you know, they're happy he got the money, but they're just not happy where he went. Some Steeler fans like, I can't root for this kid no more, and I'm kind of in the middle of, you know... I can root for him. I just can't root for the team. You know, like, I'm not going to sit there and hope New England wins, but I hope that Juju has at least a good productive day so in three years when he's up for another contract, you know, he gets an even bigger bag. And, you know, again, that's really all it is. 
when you people have to realize this, you know, and uh, I think it was JD or Aaron over at Brutally Honest that was commenting. It's kind of hard at times to know who's commenting, but I just take it as they're commenting as a collective. Um, you know, and they agreed with me where, you know, this has become more of a business. And a lot of you people have to realize this. You know, football is not a sport anymore. Baseball is not a sport anymore. Basketball is not a sport. It's a business venture at this point. It's, you're in essence, and I've said it a few times in the past, so I'll say it again, where these players, even though they're human beings, okay, and they're athletes, take a look at it from this perspective, as if they're a stock, okay? The, look, let's take the NFL is a stock, okay? And within it are these, you know, subsidiaries, let's say, okay? Where there's one stock, but it's branched off, and there's like, Thousands of other stocks within this one major stock, okay? And you look at a guy like Juju. New England, being a stock, is going to invest in Juju for $33 million for three years and hope it pans out. Juju's looking at it as, okay, you're investing in me for this much, but this is the return I'm going to look for in three years. And that's either double or triple what I'm getting now. Now, will he ever get that amount? He's going to have to stay healthy for three years and put up big numbers and prove to be a number one because right now in New England, they really ain't got a number one. They really, they, they, they just don't. And, you know, it's just, if it was three years, 33 million, I don't see how the Steelers couldn't have offered him the same deal to bring him back. And, kind of bring a little bit more of a veteran presence, especially somebody who's already worked within the Steeler organization, who knows Tomlin's way, that can maybe get these guys to maybe focus more and get hungrier and, you know, whatever would need to be done. But, you know, I always get asked the question, does Juju ever return to Pittsburgh? I thought at some point, yeah, but after this signing, no. I don't think he ever comes back. If he does, it's going to be on a desperation deal if it doesn't work out in New England and it doesn't pan out, or if he gets released by New England after this year, if he's subpar at best, maybe then I could, maybe he would come hat in hand, you know, to Pittsburgh and say, listen, I'll take a one year, whatever, incentive based. I don't care what it is. Um, but. You know, a lot of other questions, you know, I get asked because a lot of guys that come into my job that, you know, they say I have my terrible towel up. I have my Yankee bobbleheads by my desk. Um, you know, I have my no quit New York Ranger t-shirt hanging. You know, I got my Steeler hats, Yankee hats on top of all that. So, you know, a lot of people that like they ask me what I feel about the Steeler season coming up. And I'll be honest, I don't know yet. Because I don't know how these new these new pieces coming in are going to play with the old pieces that are already here. You know, you know when reading the signing of, of Isaac Samalalu this morning, you know, a lot of people are saying that this is, in essence, an early wedding gift to Kenny Pickett because this guy can protect his blind side and nobody's going to get to him. And I hope that's true. And what's, what's the Eagles' loss is the Steelers' gain and, you know, when you look at the Eagles, and that was a whole clusterfuck, and I don't know how J.D. and Aaron feel about it, 
But with the whole Darius Slay's released, but then all of a sudden, like an hour or two later, it's all, no, 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 that's not necessarily true. And this is the problem with sports media just putting reports out there. You think just because the deadline for somebody getting released has come and you've heard nothing, you're just going to assume it's going to happen. And they did, and they do the same thing with the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. So you can't get mad at the athlete when the athlete tweets out inaccuracies and then the person who tweeted, who originally put out the report is saying, now I'm not saying this happened in this scenario, but it has happened where the reporter goes, nope, you said this, or this is what I've heard from your camp. But Odell came out and he said, I don't get where I want 20 million. All I'm saying is 4 million ain't enough for me to come play. And, you know, obviously the list of teams for Odell has shrunk you know, the Giants went, obviously, they re-signed Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell. You know, they locked up Isaiah Hodgins for, for three years. So, the Giants are off the board. The Jets are still very much in play. And this whole Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, the trade from the Packers, you know, when's it going to be finalized? Well, apparently, Aaron Rodgers, again, had to open up his fucking prima donna mouth and talk about how he's one of the greatest Packers in Packer history. Well, you must have forgotten about Sterling Sharp. You must have forgotten about Brett Favre. You must have forgotten about, you know, a whole lineage of of Packers that have played there over the course of decades. Is Aaron Rodgers one of the best? Yes, I'll give him that. But when you're, you're being treated to a team that wants you, that a lot of us think is a bad move. A very bad move. But now the Jets are hearing this and they go, oh. So you're the best Packer ever. Now we want more. Now they want. Now they want a boatload in return. You know, the you know the Packers want in return a lot as well. So what's it, what, so what's the deal going to be at the end of the day? And when's it going to happen? You know, Alan Lazar is already signed. You know, Rogers, like I said last week, he's given them a wish list of guys that he wants on the team. Odell Beckham's one of them. But then what does that say to Garrett Wilson? What does that say to Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims? Thanks, but get the fuck out. Especially a guy like Garrett Wilson, who was an offensive rookie of the year, who had who, who had like a jet record for offensive, uh, for, for wide receiving yards in a season by a jet rookie. And you're going to bring in all these other guys. I, I understand bringing in Alan Lazard. Okay. And I can understand bringing in Odell Beckham. But if you're going to bring in Randall Cobb, and Mercedes Lewis and the tight end position. You're in essence telling these other guys who have been fighting to make this team relevant again and try to get the Jets to where they want to be. Yeah, thanks, but see you. We're going to bring in Aaron Rodgers, guys. You know, what does that say for the dynamic of the franchise? And not only that, but is it going to work? You know, we've seen where teams have paired up you know, guys have teamed up together in teams in the NFL, and it hasn't worked. And the other amazing thing that I read is this, that the Rams were willing to trade Stafford to the Jets. They were willing to do it if Rodgers if Rogers wasn't going to commit to it. Now, obviously to me, if there's no deal that's made, then what does this mean for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? If I'm Aaron Rodgers, how do I go back there and play for a team that, in essence, was willing to trade me. But then again, this is kind of what Rodgers wanted. And had he not taken that darkness retreat 
uh, vacation that he had, he was 90% on his way to retirement. And honestly, I think that's might that might have been what was best for him. Because this whole jet thing, all right, and what and one of my good customers that works down the blocks guy, Derek, he he's a huge jet fan. And even he agrees bringing in Rodgers is an okay move, but it's not the move that gets you to where the where Jets fans want them to be. And that's hoisting the Lombardi trophy. And again, it sounds repetitive, but when all this keeps getting brought up, this is what we're going to continue to discuss. So, you know, I told him, I said, well, how would you feel if they were to make a play for Lamar? He says, I'd fucking love it. Why wouldn't you? You're bringing in a guy who, in essence, it's almost like in Big Daddy, the movie with Adam Sandler, where his girlfriend dumps him and winds up dating this guy, Sid, because he has a five-year plan. And put that in, into perspective with getting a younger quarterback for the Jets. It's a five-year plan. You bring in Lamar for five years. Obviously, the first year, you're not going to win the Super Bowl unless something, unless there's just this amazing spark that happens. Okay? That's one. You won't win it in the second year. But by years three, four, and five, there needs to be at least one. And I think Jets fans would be happy with the one in a five-year plan. Hell, they'd friggin' be premature ejaculating in their Joe Willie Namath tidy whities you know, for for two. Three? Forget about it. Three? Forget about it. Jets fans are fucking spent. <laughs> they're, they're, they're spent. They ain't got nothing left. They've been so milked out at this point already that they're just skin sitting on a couch. Uh, <laughs> you know, but with bringing in Rodgers, you only have two years to make this happen. And in two years, that's a lot of pressure on a on a on a newly head coach and Robert Sala and the rest of the Jets team. That's a lot of pressure to put on this guy. And is it warranted? No. And you know, everybody's sitting there, obviously the restaurant Rayos and East Harlem put out a thing. Hey, if you come here, you know, we'll you know we'll, we'll make sure you get to eat here because anybody who lives in New York knows Rayos. It's one of the best restaurants in New York. It's also a very hard one to get into. Okay? The closest thing I've come to Rayo's is sauce in a jar and the microwavable friggin' dinners that they make. That's as close as I'm ever getting to Rayo's. Aaron Rodgers comes to New York. He gets to fucking eat at Rayo's. Shit. Maybe I should go put out a tape of me throwing, an, throwing a ball 30, 40, 50 yards accurately. And maybe then I could get in the Rayos and get traded to the Jets, even though I wouldn't play for them. But still, you know, but this is all the hype of bringing in Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's almost like the fans are guaranteed a Super Bowl. And, it, you, and that's the problem throughout the whole league. You bring in a guy and you just think that they're going to win. Automatically, it's wearing the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter what you put around them. You know, it's like when the Cleveland Cavaliers traded, uh, drafted LeBron James number one overall. Oh, well, we're winning a championship. But what happened? It took over a decade to get Cleveland a championship. And that was with LeBron having to come back. So, you know, when it comes to Rodgers and the Jets, it's just a relationship to me that makes little to no sense. Yeah, it makes you a playoff-bound team, and yeah, it'll put you past the Dolphins, and it'll put you past the you know the New England Patriots. But let's be honest: is it putting you past the Bills? 
you know, and that's the other interesting question. You know, the Bills choked again in a big spot. You know, does Stefan Diggs stay or does he get traded? You know, what happens to this Bills team? We don't know yet. We honestly don't know what happens to this Bills team because we haven't really heard much. Yeah, they re-signed Matt Milano. Um, you know, but but are they going to go out and try to get Odell? Are they going to try to go and sign Zeke Elliott? Are they going to try to keep Dave Singletary there? You know, do they think that James Cook could be the guy that takes the reins? And when you look, when you're speaking to James Cook, well, let's jump to Minnesota. Apparently, Dalvin Cook is on the trade market. You know, does somebody take does somebody take the bait and trade for Dalvin Cook? Who knows? Maybe the Bears go in and do it. You know, I, which I would never trade within my own division. But if the Bears are willing to offer whatever the Vikings are looking for, if you're the Vikings, you almost have to say, oh, okay, you know, it's dumb to do it, but hell, we're going to do it. We don't care what the fans think. We don't care what the media thinks. And we don't care what the sports podcasters think. They could bash us till they're blue in the face. What do they know? Well, I can tell you what we know. We know trading within the division isn't the smartest move, but we also do know that when you're getting a lot more than what another team's going to offer, uh, you'd be dumb not to take it. <laughs> That's what we know. So, you know, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things where you just really, you just don't know. You just don't know till you know. And... Um, yeah, <laughs> who really knows? Who really just, who really knows? But again, when it comes, when it comes to, um, you know, free agency and guys on the trade block and what's best for your team, you know, again, owners, GMs, coaches, they know we can only speculate. But what I could tell you from this from this point of view as an outsider looking in on the Jets fan base, you could be clamoring for Aaron Rodgers all you want, but I know a ton of you want a guy that's going to be here for five, six years that in five, six years could bring you at least two Super Bowls. J- these Jets fans that love Aaron Rodgers, that want him in a green and white jersey, are expecting a Super Bowl in the first year and the second year. And I hate to burst that bubble, but let's step out of fantasy and let's step back into reality. It's not going to happen. I hate to tell you, it's not going to happen. Not not this year and not the following year. It's not a total crapshoot that it could happen. But a lot would have to go the Jets way. You're asking pieces who haven't played with Aaron Rodgers to gel with him right away. And this is why you need this deal done right away. You already see guys like Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, and and company in Pittsburgh. Training camp hasn't even started yet. OTAs haven't even started yet. And they're already working out together to build a team dynamic, to build a chemistry. So if you're a Jets fan and you really want this to work with Rodgers, the Jets need to get this deal done. And send whatever Green Bay wants, within reason, to get this done. So he could start working with Garrett Wilson and rebuild that relationship with Lazard and and whoever else they bring in. You know, if they bring in Odell Beckham, that's great. But 
I don't think you see Odell sign with too many teams because he's made it known he wants to sign with a contender. You know, a lot of Lions fans on Twitter, hey, you know, would you love to see Odell on a Lions jersey? I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, the Lions are a team on the upswing, but they're not there yet. I think that they, they miss out on Odell. Same thing with the Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars are another team going in the right direction. And I'm sure two dudes with sports news would love to see Odell in a Jaguars jersey. But they're a team that's not in the running for it. You know, would he go to the Bears, knowing that the Bears are probably going to be one of the most improved teams this year, based on the fact that now they have DJ Moore, you're building around Justin Fields, you just brought in Robert Tunyon from Green Bay to play tight end next to Cole Komet, okay, you just signed, well, well, they brought in Deonta Freeman from, from the Panthers at running back, so even though that's not a big name, and even though people look at DJ Moore and they say that's not a big name, and you look at Robert Tunyon, and again, not a big name, but their vast improvements over what they had. So, again, as we wait for the Rodgers debacle to finally end, we're still waiting for Odell to sign too. And now that the now that the Cowboys brought in Brandon Cooks, UNSs could say that Odell's out of the running in Dallas too. So does does. You know, and obviously I don't think he goes to New England because, you know, obviously now they they brought in, you know, they bring in Juju and they have their wide receivers there. You know, does he go to San Francisco with Ayuk and Debo playing the playing his two roles now at running back and wide receiver and team him up with, with you know with Kittle and company? You know, could he go to Kansas City knowing that Kansas City lost Juju Smith Schuster? Does he go to say Baltimore? You know, I'll tell you right now, people ask me, would Odell come to Pittsburgh? I would love for it to happen, but I also have to be realistic. It's not going to happen. So, you know, I mean, if he came here, it's, yeah, it'd be great. But how creative could Omar Khan really get to bring in Odell? How many more contracts can he restructure to bring in these guys? You know, to, uh, he's still got to re-sign Terrell Edmonds. I would give him another one-year deal. You know, you have to, you know, you have to worry about who's going to be running back number two to Najee. You know, there's so many questions still in Pittsburgh that, you know, a lot of it is how much money is there to really throw around. You know, another is Cam Hayward coming back. You know, I still haven't heard anything about that. I guess he is because. He hasn't said that he's retiring, so I guess Cam Hayward's coming back for another year in black and gold. So, you know, that's that. But obviously, as the weeks go on, we we can talk football till we're fucking blue in the face. But we got to get into the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, and with involving the Mets. Obviously, we saw what happened. Team Puerto Rico wins. Edwin Diaz is celebrating, and boom, he goes down. Can't put no weight on his knee. He's crying, he's wheelchaired off, and you hate to see it. Even though he plays for the Mets, you hate to see it. But then people are like, this is why you don't use real players in the WBC. You should be using college players. You know, this is just a, 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 a ramped up version of spring training. And where I can understand all the viewpoints on it. Here's the question, though. If his knee gave out just celebrating... Was he going into the season fully healthy? What happens, let's say, opening day 
Edwin Diaz comes out to close. First pitch. Boom. It's a strike. But he goes down. What's the what's gonna be the the, the headline there? You know, what's the excuses gonna be? Oh, well, the Mets didn't properly train him. That would be one of them. You know, and yeah, it's a huge blow to the Mets. But again, this is the world. This is the sports world for what it is and the baseball world. Guys are going to get hurt. It is what it is. There's nothing you can really do. You know, they're not going to stop the World Baseball Classic and using Major League players because these guys want to play. You know, they love the sport. They want to play for their country. They want to They want to put their country, you know, they want to make their country the country in the world of baseball. And I don't blame none of them for that. You know, and that's what it's about. You're, it's about, to me, the World Baseball Classic is about unity. You know, all, all guys that are Puerto Rican are all playing together. You know, all guys that are, uh, you know, that are American, well, that live in America, they all want to play for Team America. You know, Great Britain, you know, the Dominican Republic, you know, all, you know, it, it's all about unity and it's about making your country the forefront ahead of others. In my opinion, that's what it is. So I don't blame these guys for, you know, wanting to play for their country. I don't blame Edwin Diaz for wanting to play for Team Puerto Rico. You know, you could say the same thing. What if Lindor got hurt? I mean, you look at Team America. Brandon Nimmo got hurt, but he's only out a few weeks with with, uh, knee and ankle sprains, it looks like. Um, You know, Nestor Cortez for the Yankees got hurt. You know, a hamstring pull or whatever it was for Team USA. And then he just wound up not pitching for him again and went back to spring training. So, you know, injuries are going to happen. It's just a matter of when, where, and how. And it sucks. And losing Edwin Diaz is a huge blow to the Met bullpen because he went from a team, he went from a guy that you couldn't trust to close a game to this guy can close a game to now he's out the whole year. What's he going to... And this is after you gave him a pretty good extension, too. And that's the other thing. You know, well, Cohen gave him all this money. Now he's hurt. What, 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 you know, what use is he to us now? You know, and I understand. Mets fans are upset. You haven't won a World Series since 86. The last time you were there is, what, 15? So, I understand it. I grasp it. But, again, at the end of the day, shit's going to happen. I mean... You could look at a guy like Aaron Judge who, you know, he put the Yankees ahead of anything else. He's like, listen, you know, they invested all this money in me for a lot of years. You know, I have no choice but to do Yankee things first. And maybe in four years, when the next World Baseball Classic happens, maybe then I'll I'll play in it then. But right now, I'm not going to do it. So, you know, again, it's just a matter of, you know, injuries are always going to happen. You know, th- this could have been an injury that was that that was happening before even Diaz knew it. Maybe he felt no discomfort in his knee and felt like, hey, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm fine. And then all of a sudden he just runs out there and he jumps up in the air. He lands the wrong way on his knee and something gave out. And that's, you can't blame Edwin Diaz for that. For Mets fans saying, you know, well, this is Diaz's fault. You don't know. 
Like, you, there's been so many freak injuries in the world of sports, it's beyond me. Hell, Jacoby Ellsbury was a walking freak injury show. I mean, that guy got hurt freaking running the shower. Freaking turning the hot and cold knobs, and he freaking dislocated his shoulder. I mean, he'd stub his toe coming out of the shower. I mean, this guy would freaking eat a bowl of soup and freaking and hurt himself. And after a while, us Yankees fans just got used to it. We're just like, oh, well, another year without Ellsbury. Or we joke around and say, well, well, what's the next injury? Guy goes to put his freaking leash on his dog and he freaking dislocates his thumb and he's out for six to eight weeks. I mean, the injuries are there. And yeah, they make an impact on the team, but you can't just sit there and blame the player for it. He can't control when an injury is going to happen. And something's going to go. It's The human body is like a car. Okay. And you don't know when something's going to go. You don't know when your timing belt's going to snap. You don't know when your alternator belt's going to snap. You don't know when your alternator's going to go. Your battery's just going to die. You just don't know. And it's the same thing with the human body. You don't know when your knee's going to give out. You don't know when your back's going to give out. You don't know when you're going to dislocate your shoulder, break your arm. Unless you do something stupid, then you know you're going to do it. Like if Edwin Diaz had done, who was the guy that broke his hand? I think it was in the NBA. Some guy punched a friggin' wall and he wound up breaking his hand and it was during the playoffs and he couldn't play again for the rest of the year. I forget who and what team it was, but shit like that you could blame a player for. But when it's something out of his control, you can't sit there and say, oh, fucking Edwin Diaz fucked us. I mean, you could be mad about it. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, like my buddy Al's a huge Met fan at work. And he's like, fucking Diaz is out for the fucking year. You know, all from, all from just celebrating. I'm like, dude, well, he's celebrating a huge win for his country with his teammates. But you can't blame the guy for that. Well, who's going to fucking close now? That is the interesting question. Who will close for the Mets now? Is it going to be closer by committee? Or are they going to just take one guy out of the pen and say, hey, you're going to close? Maybe Seth Lugo. Actually, I don't think Seth Lugo's even with the team anymore. I'm not sure, but... They may just take a guy out of the out of the eighth inning spot and say, "Hey, you're the closer now," until Diaz is back. And a lot of a lot of guys are optimistic that he'll be back before the end of the year. I, I don't know. I mean, Steve Cohen could buy the best nutritionalist and rehab specialist and whatever he's gotten for him, but I don't know if he. I don't know if he's going to be back. If I'm Edwin Diaz, knowing I'm making all that money, and even though again, hit baseball deals are fully guaranteed, so he's getting paid regardless. And I'm sure the Mets could go through insurance and insurance will pay it out or whatever it is, however they do that. But they could definitely, you know, if I'm Diaz, I'm not rushing it. I'm not saying that because I'm a Yankee fan and don't want to see the Mets win anything. It's just a matter of when it comes to your future in sports, knowing you're getting a boatload of money. Because at any point, the Mets could turn around and say, you know... Yeah, we're unsure of this now and, and try to figure a legal way out of this contract and not have to pay him. But I don't see I don't see that happening. So, you know, again, it's just you know, it's just one of those it's one of those things. It was a freak a freak occurrence, and it's something that Diaz couldn't control. So if you're a Met fan that's about to jump off the bridge, don't. It'll be all right. It's not like you guys have won a World Series recently, so don't don't worry about it. Not that the Yankees have either, so I really shouldn't be saying anything. But, you know, 
one thing I know is I'm not one of those Yankee fans that go, oh, well, we got 27. I'm not talking shit, you know, for, from a World Series from 2009, okay? We should have a lot more at this point, but we all know what's happened. Bad play, a little bit of cheating involved, whatever it is, it is what it is. But another question that I get asked a lot, because some... Some people that follow me on Twitter know that I still watch professional wrestling from time to time. Not all the time, but I do watch it. So I got asked, um, I got asked this interesting question. What's changed from when I used to watch it when I was younger to now? To me, the only thing that's really changed is just the names, the faces. Because a lot of the storylines somewhat are still the same. You just don't realize it. A lot of it's just recycled. And I got asked, you know, does politics play a role when they build up a certain event? And the reason why I got asked this is because obviously this year's WrestleMania, since they went to a two-night um, system, instead of jamming five hours into one night, you know, they decided we'll have it Saturday night and Sunday night, which I think was a smart move. And from a revenue standpoint, it is as well. You know, WWE gets not only for one pay-per-view, they get money from two pay-per-views now. Plus ticket sales, this, that, and a third. So, a lot of people are annoyed that, you know, you have this whole bloodline storyline, you know, with Roman Reigns, the Usos, and and Solo Sequoia, whatever, however you say his name. And then you have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and and Cody Rhodes is involved because Cody Rhodes won the Rumble and he's going to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And, you know, for weeks, Sami Zayn, who has left the bloodline, has been trying to get Kevin Owens to kind of team up with him again. This Friday on SmackDown, it finally happened. Even though the match hasn't been made yet, but we know it's going to happen. Whether it's, whether it's announced on Raw or SmackDown this week, it doesn't really matter where or when. Um, It's just a matter of... Why isn't that the main event? You know, why is Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley going to be the main event? You know, and a lot of people saying politics are involved in this. Now, I don't, I think part of it's that, you know, Charlotte Flair, the name holds a lot of weight. Obviously being the daughter of the nature boy, Ric Flair, you know, one of the greatest and most established guys to do it. But I think what it is, is WWE has become more equal Whereas, well, if a, if two men can main event a WrestleMania, why can't two women? <laughs> and they've already done it when you had Ronda Rousey, who does not belong in a WWE ring, because she's just botchamania fucking 5.0, up against Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. You know, they felt it was time to do it. You know, women can main event WrestleMania. Then you had, then you had the main event a few years ago where it was Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair, which was not only, you have two women again, but you had two African-American women main eventing WrestleMania, something that never happened. So I think WWE is setting the right course, but is it the right move to have Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley as the main event? As good as the match will be, I think Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Versus the Usos for the unified tag titles would be the better option. 
because it's the longer storyline that this storyline has been going on for so long. It's almost like watching an Academy Award winning movie. Each week, you don't know what's going to happen next. The, the twists, the turns, the, the, just the, everything has been built up. And it's one of the best storylines that WWE honestly has done in years. You know, since The Rock and Stone Cold and the NWO with The Rock and Stone Cold. And it's just been one of those... It's been one of those just amazing storylines. And now you throw Cody Rhodes in the mix. And the question is, you know, just because you win the Royal Rumble and you go to WrestleMania, the old adage is, well, the guy who wins the Royal Rumble always wins the title at WrestleMania. And where that's true, has anybody ever wondered why? That's because a guy like Roman Reigns, who's, doing all these things is finally getting a break. You know, it's a break that he probably needs so he can go venture off and do other things. You know, that's like when, like, you know, like when The Rock has dropped the title at WrestleMania to say Stone Cold. Okay, that's because we know The Rock's going to do a movie. You know, or when Stone Cold's dropped it to The Rock, it's like, okay, well, you know what, Stone Cold did it because it's The Rock's time. You know, when you have this, Cody Rhodes has never been a champion and no person in the Rhodes family has ever been heavyweight champion other than Dusty Rhodes, probably, in the NWA. But when it comes to the WWE, you know, when Dustin Rhodes was there as Gold Dust, and then Cody being there the first time, and now again, you know, it's his dream, and it's a matter of, do they actually go that route where Cody wins the title? I think that's the road they go because it's the best road. Because eventually you get tired of seeing the same guy as champion. So it's one of those, you know, David versus Goliath situations where David wins. And David, being Cody Rhodes, is going to win. Somehow, some way, he's going to find a way to win. Even through, you already know the Usos are going to interfere. So that's going to bring Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn out. And then they're all going to brawl on the outside. The referee's going to be distracted. Roman's going to try to do something. Cody's going to catch it. And bing, bang, boom. And the match is going to be done. And everybody at SoFi Stadium is going to go apeshit crazy for it. You just know it's going to happen. And if it happens exactly the way I said it, then you could just remember this episode. And you could all say, oh, Jim and Fan in the van predicted it correctly. You know, it just is what it, it just... It is what it is, but I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my cigar now as I keep having to try to light it once in a while because it does go out after a few minutes and not puffing on it. Um, but I just want to thank all of you who retweet, follow, listen. Uh, between Anchor uh, Total Plays and Good Pods Total Plays, we have eclipsed 30,000 total plays, and that doesn't happen without any of you. Uh, so definitely, obviously, again, if you love listening to the fan in a van, um, obviously check out my guys, Brent and Dave, who have been supporting me since day one. Uh, definitely check them out. I think they're doing another YouTube live soon. So, uh, that's, that'll be another one. I'll definitely be checking out. Um, I try to check out all their episodes when I can. Same thing with, with, uh, Aaron and JD over at Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. Definitely check them out. Um, they actually just did one with my, with my other guys at Two Dudes Sports News, uh, which I'm going to be listening to in a little while. So uh, I'll give my I'll give my opinion on that episode. I'm sure I'm sure they knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, definitely check out Sports Bliss with Rob and Chris, another good sports podcast that I've been getting into. 
Uh, definitely check out my guy, Average Joe Sports Podcast. Uh, he just comes out with that fire every single episode. Definitely check out Needs Daily Wagers. And being since I spoke about pro wrestling, I really want these guys' opinions on, on what I spoke about. Uh, definitely check out John Wrestling Fans Insight and Bray Wyatt Fan 24, who has uh, his podcast is called Wrestling World. Definitely check his out. Uh, to everybody else who follows and retweets, you know, as always, it, it doesn't go unnoticed. I try to name a bunch of you, but again, I'd be here for six weeks doing all that. So to all of you, thank you yet again. Uh, enjoy your Sunday before a lot of us got to go back to our lovely nine to five jobs and deal with the scourge of the world of whatever it is that you do. Um, but I'm going to enjoy the rest of this cigar and enjoy the rest of my Sunday. So hopefully you guys check out this episode today and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, again, anything you want to hear discussed, uh, I'll try to do it at some point. I just got to find time to sit and research. Um, so you know, again, till the next episode, everybody stay safe. And as always, peace.